Well, I'd like to begin tonight by wishing you a Happy New Year. Those of you who are uh, sensitive to and aware of the seasons of the liturgy know that in the church we celebrate the first Sunday of Advent, which is today, as the first Sunday of, lit of the liturgical year. So Happy New Year. I'm sure that on January 1st you will be celebrating in a different kind of way. Um, I also bring to you the greetings of Pope Francis, uh, the bishops of Pennsylvania and New Jersey were in Rome all of last week on our once every five year official visit to the Vatican to report on the lives of our diocese. And we met with Pope Francis on Thursday, on Thanksgiving Day, and he expressed a desire to greet all the people of the churches that we serve as bishops. So hello to you from Pope Francis, who prays for your health and spiritual good and and I'm sure that you also pray for him. Now I'm suffering a little bit from jet lag, so if what I say tonight doesn't make sense, I can blame that, you know. Of course, maybe what I say on most Sundays doesn't make sense, so I wouldn't have the excuse that I have this week. I'd like to begin my reflections by talking a little bit about the liturgical year. As I mentioned, uh, today is the first Sunday of Advent. There are five different liturgical seasons in the church year. Do you know what they are? The first one, of course, is Advent, followed by the season of East, no, Christmas and the Epiphany, followed by the season of Lent, followed by the seasons, seasons of Easter, the Ascension and Pentecost Sunday, and then the rest of the year is called Ordinary Time. And we wear different color vestments depending on which liturgical season we are celebrating. And the vestments are supposed to indicate the mood of the liturgical season. So what color is this? It's purple. What is the mood that purple is supposed to put you in? It's supposed to be a time of reflection and contemplation and peace. I don't know if it actually does that, but that's a symbol of uh, purple in the season of Advent. And of course the Advent wreath, which is here in the, in the sanctuary, is a reminder to us of the passing of time and the importance of making sure we use that time very, very well. And the four weeks of Advent are marked by different candles. Uh, next week we'll light two of them, the week after we'll light the, the one that's violet or pink, and, the, and then we'll have the fourth uh, candle on the fourth, fourth Sunday of, of Advent. And it, it's, the candles are placed in a, a wreath, a green wreath of evergreens, uh, which symbolizes uh, all of eternity. You know, that we pass through the weeks of Advent on our way somewhere, and that somewhere we're going is eternal life. And uh, the way we get there is to use the weeks of our life very, very well in the service of God and in the service of others rather than in the service of ourselves. The word Advent comes from the Latin word advenire or advenio, which means coming. So we're celebrating the coming of the Lord into our lives and into history and into the church. And uh, it's really important for us to, to make this a part of our personal spirituality, that we are aware of God's desire to 
come to us and to make us a part of his life. Now, when we have these liturgical seasons, the church is not inviting us to some kind of holy make-believe where we pretend that Jesus wasn't born yet, you know, and that he's going to come at Christmas. Uh, We're not make-believing. What we're trying to do is to allow the Lord to replicate in our personal lives these moments of salvation history, you know, so that he might make real for us what all of it means. And the way that can happen is if we open our hearts and minds to receive him when he comes to us. And so this holy time of waiting and expectation, which we call Advent, is an invitation on the part of the Lord Jesus and his church for us to reflect on three ways that Jesus comes to us in in our uh, Christian spiritual lives. The first is explained to us in today's opening prayer. The first coming we think about during the Advent season is Jesus' coming at the end of history to judge the living and the dead. And we make a profession of faith in the creed. We believe that he will come again to judge the living and the dead. In today's opening prayer, which I prayed, but which is a prayer of all of us at the opening of this liturgy, has these words. Grant your faithful, we pray, almighty God, the resolve to run forth to meet your Christ with righteous deeds at his coming. So our lives now, the use of the time that's symbolized by the candles in the Advent wreath, is supposed to be a time where we are preparing by our lives for the Lord's coming again. And it's important that we do that well or we will be disappointed at the time of his second coming because he will judge us and he'll judge the way we've used our time. So we have to ask ourselves, are we ready to run forth to the Lord when he comes to meet him with, as this reading says, righteous deeds? Have we lived our lives in righteous kind of ways? Righteous doesn't mean self-righteous which is a bad concept. It means that we think we're better than other people. But to be righteous in Scripture means to be faithful to what God has planned for us, to live lives that are responding to his love. So we want to have lives that are righteous in God's eyes, not in our own or in the eyes of other people. So that's the first couple weeks of Lent we'll be focusing on the Lord's coming in history at the end of time to judge us and to judge the world. The second coming of Christ that we celebrate in the season at Advent is his first coming as a man in his birth in Bethlehem to Mary, who is the mother of Jesus and the mother of God. We celebrate that he loved us so much that he took on our human nature and became one of us. We Christians believe that Jesus Christ is truly God and truly a man, truly a human being. And he became a man because he loved us and wanted to share our lives. So we have a God who cares and who understands, who's become one of us. 
And we celebrate that um, love of God for us in our celebration of Christmas, which is only three and a half weeks away. And when we were children, it took a long time to get from the season of the first Sunday of Advent to Christmas. But as you get older, it just, it's going to happen tomorrow. You know, that Christmas will be here before we know it. And then the third coming of Jesus, um, which is the most common for us who are believing Christians, is Jesus' coming to us every day. Because that's not a reality that takes place just twice. At his first coming at Christmas and his final coming at the end of history, but Jesus Christ comes to us all the time in various ways. And the church is inviting us in the Advent season to open our eyes to see him when he comes and to open our ears to hear him when he speaks to us. And we also ask the Lord in the Advent season to help us be, our lives be, his presence in the lives of other people. One of the saints of the last century that is not very well known uh, in our time is a French nun whose name was Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity. And she prayed a prayer that I'd like to share with you that in some ways uh, contains our understanding of this third way of the Lord Jesus coming into our world. This is what she said as she prayed. O consuming fire, spirit of love, come upon me and create in my soul a kind of incarnation of your word, that I may be another humanity for him in which he can renew his whole mystery. It was a prayer that the Lord would come to us in such an intense way that we give our humanity to him and that he might be through us a presence of love in the lives of other people. And that's what we celebrate in the Advent season, that he wants to use us as his instruments of love, but he also comes to us through other people, through their needs and through their love and, and through their good example and through their challenges. And we have to have ears and hearts and minds that are open to receive him. So with all of that in mind, with the three comings of Christ in mind, let's look at today's scripture readings. Our first reading is from the book of the prophet Isaiah who we hear from almost every day in the liturgical life of the church during the Advent season. And in this reading, Isaiah is speaking for God. You know, he's a prophet, which means he's spokesperson for God. And he's speaking uh, a desire on God's part that Jerusalem, which was the holy city of the Jewish people, and the temple in Jerusalem, the place where God dwelt, would be like a magnet that would attract all the people of the world. So God came to us in our salvation history through the Jews and came to the Jewish people in a very special way in the temple in Jerusalem. And that's what this reading is about. I'd like to, I'd like to quote just a few of the sentences here. It begins by saying, this is what Isaiah saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. He had a vision given to him by God. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house, and Jerusalem was built on a mountain, shall be established as the highest mountain and raised above the hills. All nations 
shall stream toward it. Many people will, will come and say, come, let us climb the Lord's mountain to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may instruct us in his ways, and we may walk in his paths. And that's God's desire, not only from the Jews and the people of that time, but of us. Now, he wants us to uh, worship him and make sure that he has the right place in our lives. I don't know how many of you read the, the writings of Bishop Robert Barron. He's probably one of the most articulate bishops of the church in our time. He's the Auxiliary Bishop of Los Angeles living in the Santa Barbara area. But he often refers to what he, re, what he calls the, the law of spiritual physics. You know, the laws of physics are, if we know the laws of physics, we know it's going to happen because our world obeys those laws. And he talks about the most important law of spiritual physics is the centrality of God in our lives. And if God has the proper place in our lives, everything else falls together. You know? And if we're out of line in our relationship with God, we're, we're bound to be out of line in our relationship with other people and with the world. In other words, if we're, if we're in, in alignment with God, we'll be happy, the world will be better. If we're out of alignment, we're, we're a cause of disunity and disunion in the world in which we live. And today's first reading is a call for us as we begin the season of Advent to make sure that God is at the center of our lives. More important than your wife or your children, your husband or your children, more important than your job, more important than your possessions is to have the right relationship with God. And if you do that, everything else falls into place. And if we just learn this, you know, if I could just learn this after my 75 years, I still don't have it right. I think many of us here know what I'm talking about because we've lived lives that are out of alignment with God. And just like if your car tires are out of alignment, the, the, the tires don't wear evenly and they eventually are destroyed, the same thing can happen in our lives if we're out of alignment. So we ask the Lord in the season of Advent to straighten us out so that we might, together with the people of the world, be instruments of his peace. Because that's the second part of this reading, that if people are, go, to, go to Jerusalem and worship the Lord, the world will, will have peace. And the cause of disunity and violence in the world around us is that we don't have the right relationship with God. Our second reading tonight is from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. And he begins by saying, brothers and sisters, it is the hour now for you to wake from sleep. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Now that's true about me. You know, I, I mentioned I'm 75 years old, so I know that my judgment's a lot nearer now than when I first came to believe when I was, what, six or seven years old. We, that's probably when we um, acquired the ability to make decisions for ourselves. And uh, who knows when the Lord will come in to judge us, but we, I know it's closer than it used to be. You know, I, when I was 50, I thought, well, I have, probably have another 30 or 40 years. Now that I'm 75, I'll be lucky if I have 10, you know. So it's coming. 
And it's coming more quickly than I would ever imagined. And in order for us to be prepared for his coming, we have to wake up and be attentive. This is what, what uh, St. Paul says. He, he's comparing light and darkness. And life with Christ is light, and life apart from Christ is darkness. And this is what he says. Let us then throw off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light because the Lord is coming. So let us conduct ourselves properly as in the day. Now, here's an interesting list of things. Not in orgies. I don't want you to raise your hand, but when's the last time you participated in an orgy? <laughs> you know, I've been in the seminary all my life. I've never been to an orgy, never been to an orgy. But I guess it was common in um, Roman life of St. Paul's time, and perhaps in some of our lives, it's common even today. I'm sure there's a, an orgy that takes place every Friday and Saturday night somewhere in the greater Philadelphia area. And uh, we're not supposed to participate in those kind of things if we're children of the light. So not in orgies and drunkenness. Drunkenness is a more common thing for us than orgies. It's a cause of many sins, really. You know, most people, um, when they look at their lives and they try to become chaste, be sexually pure, have to give up drinking so much because drinking takes down inhibitions and leads to sexual activities outside of the proper context of marriage. Drunkenness also is dangerous for drivers, and most of us are drivers today. So if we're children of the light, we, we get rid of drunkenness, not in promiscuity, which is sexual relationships outside of the commitment of marriage, and lust, which is sexual relationships in our mind, you know, and in our hearts, even if not in reality. And not in rivalry, you know, where we see um, the neighbor as the enemy that we have to beat, we have to win. We see ourselves competing and in contest with other people intellectually or with jobs or with money or with beauty or with athletic ability or anything at all. You know, I want to be a better bishop than the guy that's next door, you know, that kind of thing. So rivalry and jealousy, which means that we uh, wish that we had something that somebody else has and they didn't have it, you know. It's not just, not, not just wishing for something for ourselves. We don't want them to have it instead of, we want us to have it instead. All those are works of, of darkness. And if we're living those lives, we're not ready for the Lord when he comes to judge us. He concludes the reading by saying, my dear brothers and sisters, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the desires of the flesh. Now, it's important for us to understand that word flesh. I mean, he might, he might somebody think he's saying, we, well, we shouldn't be interested in eating because that's one of the desires of the flesh, right? That we eat and we drink. But the flesh in St. Paul's understanding of it means those parts of our human nature that are opposed to God. It's not about just, it's not about our body. If it weren't for our minds, our bodies would be pretty good by themselves. It's our minds that lead us to do the wrong things with our bodies. So it's the flesh for St. Paul 
is that part of us which opposes God. And if we're gonna be daughters of light and sons of light, we make no provisions for the flesh. But instead, we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. When you were baptized, the priest or deacon put a white robe on you as a symbol of putting on Christ, you know, beginning to live as Jesus lives, to think as Jesus thinks, to love as Jesus loves, to act as Jesus acts. And this time, which again is measured by the Advent wreath in the season of Advent, is where we work this out. Which brings us to today's gospel, which is from the gospel of St. Matthew. And it's interesting here because you know, Jesus tells us that he's telling the, the, his disciples, but telling us that we ought to prepare for the day of his coming. And this is what he says. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. You know the story of Noah and the flood, right? God called him to build an ark in the middle of a very dry country. People thought he was crazy, you know. And this is what Jesus says. They were eating and drinking. This is good things, you know, we have to eat and drink. He's not talking about excess. Marrying and giving in marriage, which are very beautiful kind of things. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. They did not know until the flood came and carried it all away. So will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. In other words, Jesus is telling us that God is not going to send you or me an email to tell us to prepare to die. We're supposed to be preparing to die how? By living our lives here and now, all the time while we're eating and drinking, while we're marrying and giving ourselves in marriage. He goes on to say, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man? Two men will be out in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. They were doing, they were working. So the judgment of God's gonna come to us in our ordinary lives of work and life. Two women will be grinding at the mill. You know, in those days, he went to a common place and ground the grain, prepared the food. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, Jesus says, stay awake, for you do not know on which day your Lord will come. Now, he's not saying this as a threat. I mean, Jesus is telling us to help us you know, to prepare for judgment. It's gonna happen. You may be 25 years old and think it's a long way off, but I thought that just yesterday, and now I'm 75, and it's a lot closer. Uh, today I got the sad news that a bishop friend of mine, Bishop Paul Sturba in Duluth, Minnesota, died this morning of a heart attack right before he was gonna celebrate Mass in one of the parishes of his diocese. He's a wonderful bishop. I saw him uh, three weeks ago in Baltimore at the November meeting of our bishops uh, conference. He seemed to be full of energy and life and happiness, and he is now dead. 
The Lord surprised him, I'm sure, as he was getting vested in the sacristy for mass in one of his parishes. Could happen to you, could happen to me on our way home from mass tonight. So Jesus is telling us, stay awake, always be prepared, live your life. When you're marrying and giving yourself in marriage, when you're working in the field, when you're preparing the meals at home, because you don't know the day or the hour, it's important for us to be always prepared, not out of fear, but because we have to be prepared to welcome the Lord when he comes to us to judge the living and the dead. So, that's the meaning of today's scriptures. The early church was very anxious for Jesus to come. Part of the reason for that is they were persecuted. You know, the earliest Christians were persecuted by their fellow Jews who saw them as a heretical body in the community of Judaism because they claimed Jesus was the Lord and Messiah. Shortly after that, the, Jew the early Christian community suffered persecution from the Roman Empire because the Romans didn't want anybody to be uh, superior to the emperor. And Jesus was Lord, and if Jesus is Lord, that meant that Nero wasn't. And so they persecuted the Christians in those days. So the early church was anxious for Jesus to come to get this over with, you know, this persecution. And so one of the commonest prayers of the early church was Maranatha, which is the Hebrew for come Lord Jesus. Uh, I pray that prayer myself often today. And we ask the Lord to, to come soon to make this world a better place, to draw us to himself, and to bring salvation history to completion. May the Lord complete in our personal lives what he begins in our lives through today's scripture readings.